Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As the other, nor did they huzzah again. These shots must have come from a rifle, as the distance was more than a quarter of a mile. It is poor business to stand thus a single mark. This afternoon I had liked to have picked up another of their shots. I was standing with another of our men in a narrow gateway talking. A man from the redoubt had crept down behind an old battery near us and fired at us. The ball passed between our noses, which were not more than a foot apart. The fellow walked off, and we sent him something to quicken his pace, but our shots did as little execution as his had done. The horseman that I had mentioned having seen early in the morning kept prancing about and blackguarding the sentinels, who often fired at him without effect until late in the afternoon, when one of the sentinels gave him something that seemed to cool his courage. He reached the redoubt. How he fared afterwards I know not, but I heard no more of his yelping. There were two British soldiers hanging in chains here. I was standing near them with some others of our men, when two French officers rode up and inquired whether they were Americans or English. We told them they were English, upon which one of the officers laid his cane several times across one of the bodies, making the dry bones rattle, at the same time exclaiming, Forte de Anglais! A bold action, says the reader. Our people fired several shots from their field pieces at some boats crossing the river to the redoubt, but never fired a single shot at the redoubt or they at us, although we were lying all day in open sight of each other and within half a mile distant. There seemed to be a tacit agreement between them not to injure one another. We lay all night upon the ground which we had occupied during the day. I was exceedingly tired, not having had a wink of sleep the preceding night, and had been on my feet during the last twenty-four hours. And this night, to add to my comfort, I had to take charge of the quarter-guard, I was allowed to get what rest I could consistently with our safety. I fixed my guard, placed two sentinels, and the remainder of us laid down. We were with our corps, who were all by dark snug in the arms of Morpheus. The officers slept under a tree near us. My orders were, if there was any stir or alarm during the night, to awake the officers, and if any strangers attempted to pass, to stop them and bring them to the officers to be examined by them. Sometime in the night, the sentry by the guard stopped two or three officers who were going past us. The sentry called me up, and I took the strangers to our officers, where they went through an examination and were then permitted to pass on. I returned to my guard and lay down till called up again to relieve the sentinels. All this time I was as unconscious of what was passing as though nothing of the kind had happened, nor could I remember anything of the matter when told of it the next day. So completely was I worn down of fatigue. 
We now fell back a few miles and encamped, both Americans and French, at a place called Phillips Manor. We then went to making preparations to lay siege to New York. We made fashions and gabbins. The former, bundles of brush, and the latter are made in this manner, viz. After setting small sticks in the ground in a circle, about two feet or more in diameter, they are interwoven with small brush in form of a basket. They are then laid by for use, which is in entrenching. Three or more rows of them are set down together, breaking joints. The trench is then dug behind, and the dirt thrown into them, which, when full, together with the trench, forms a complete breastwork. The word is pronounced gabbins. The fashions, pronounced fashions, are, as I said, bundles of brush bound snugly together, cut off straight at each end. They are of different lengths, from five to twelve feet. Their use is in building batteries and other temporary works. We now expected soon to lay close siege to New York. Our sappers and miners were constantly employed with the engineers in front of the army, making preparations for the siege. One day I was sent down towards the enemy with a corporal and twelve men, upon a reconnoitering expedition, the engineers having heard that there was a party of refugees or cowboys somewhere not far from their premises. My orders were to go to a certain place, and if I did not see or hear anything of the enemy, to return or if I did find them, to return as soon as possible and bring word to the officers, unless I thought we were able to cope with them ourselves. We set off upon our expedition early in the afternoon, and went as far as directed by our officers, but saw no enemy. We stopped here a while and rested ourselves. When we had refreshed ourselves, we thought it a pity to return with our fingers in our mouths and report that we had seen nothing. We therefore agreed unanimously— to stretch our orders a trifle and go a little further. We were in the fields. About a mile ahead were three or four houses at which I and some others of our party had been before. Between us and the houses there was a narrow wood, mostly of young growth and quite thick. We concluded to go as far as the houses, and if we could not hear anything of the cowboys there, to return contented to camp. Agreeably to our plan we set out and had but just entered the wood when we found ourselves flanked by thirty or forty cowboys, who gave us a hearty welcome to their assumed territories, and we returned the compliment. But a kind of providence protected every man of us from injury, although we were within ten rods of the enemy. They immediately rushed from their covert, before we had time to reload our pieces. Consequently, we had no other alternative but to get off as well and as fast as we could. They did not fire upon us again, but gave us chase. For what reason, I know not. I was soon in the rear of my party, which had to cross a fence composed of old posts and rails with trees plashed down upon it. When I arrived at the fence, the foremost of the enemy was not more than six or eight rods distant, all running after us helter-skelter without any order. My men had all crossed the fence in safety. I alone was to suffer." I endeavored to get over the fence across two of three of the trees that were plashed down. Somehow or other I blundered and fell over, and caught my right foot in a place where a tree had split partly from the stump. Here I hung, as fast as though my foot had been in the stocks, my ham laying across the butt of another tree, while my body hung down perpendicularly. I could barely reach the ground with my hands, and, of course, could make but little exertion to clear myself from the limbs. The commander of the enemy came to the fence, and the first compliment I received from him was a stroke with his hanger across my leg, 
just under or below the knee-pan, which laid the bone bare. I could see him through the fence and knew him. He was, when we were boys, one of my most familiar playmates, was with me a messmate in the campaign of 1776, had enlisted during the war in 1777, but sometimes before this had deserted to the enemy, having been coaxed off by an old Herondon, to whose daughter he had taken a fancy. The old hag of a mother, living in the vicinity of the British, easily inviled him away. He was a smart, active fellow, and soon got command of a gang of refugee cowboy plunderers. When he had had his hack at my shins, I began to think it was neck or nothing, and making one desperate effort, I cleared my foot by leaving my shoe behind, before he could have a second stroke at me. He knew me as well as I did him, for as soon as he saw me clear of the fence and out of reach of his sword, he called me by name, and told me to surrender myself, and he would give me good quarters. Thought I, you will wait till I ask them of you. I sprang up and ran till I came to my party, who were about a hundred rods ahead, waiting to see how I should come off. The enemy never fired a shot at me all the time I was running from them, although nearly the whole of their party was standing on the other side of the fence when I started from it. Whether his conscience smote him and he prevented them from firing at me, or whether they were unprepared, not having had time to reload their pieces in their pursuit of us, or from what other cause, I know not. But they never interfered with me while I was running across the field, fifty or sixty rods, in open sight of them. Thus I escaped, and this was the only time the enemy drew blood from me during the whole war. This same refugee was the youngster that was with me at the salt hay polling, mentioned in the first chapter of this narrative. We remained at Phillips Manor till the last of July. I had a lame leg, caused by the wound given me by Mr. Refugee, but I lost only a short time from duty. I was favored with easy duty by my officers on account of my wound. The first of August, I think it was the first day of that month, we all of a sudden marched from this ground and directed our course towards King's Ferry, near the Highlands, crossed the Hudson, and lay there a few days, till the baggage, artillery, etc., had crossed, and then proceeded into New Jersey. We went down to Chatham, where were ovens built for the accommodation of the French troops. We then expected we were to attack New York in that quarter, but after staying here a day or two, we again moved off and arrived at Trenton by rapid marches. It was about sunset when we arrived here, and instead of encamping for the night as we expected, we were ordered immediately on board vessels, then lying at the landing place, and a little after sunrise found ourselves at Philadelphia. We, that is, the sappers and miners, stayed here some days, proving and packing off shells, shot, and other military stores. While we stayed here we drew a few articles of clothing, consisting of a few toe-shirts, some overalls, and a few pairs of silk and oakum stockings. And here, or soon after, we each of us received a month's pay, in specie, borrowed, as I was informed, by our French officers from the officers in the French army. This was the first that could be called money, which we had received as wages since the year 76, or that we ever did receive till the close of the war, or, indeed, ever after, as wages. When we had finished our business at Philadelphia, we, the miners, left the city. A part of our men, with myself, went down the Delaware in a schooner which